Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We are upbringing. Uh, welcome to our live at four. Four, five, six. What we're going to make this is. a little more stable, I think, <laughs> starting today. Uh, we're oh. also going to be having these live Q&As on the podcast. So hopefully our little new mics are working right now. Fancy little mics. Um, we're here to talk about the hard stuff and why it's the good stuff to hopefully offer you all a little bit of support, commiseration, connection, about those optimism, really hard moments that you are experiencing, probably like us, over and over again, every day, all day. Um, it's been rough. We definitely shed some tears today. I'm not gonna lie. We sure did. Yeah. Uh, and we're, uh, I doubt we're the only ones. We're probably in good company that this parenting stuff is hard, this discipline mm-hmm. stuff is hard, big feelings, challenging behaviors. That's kind of uh, our jam. That's what we mm-hmm. like to talk about because it's influencing our lives so much that um, that's what we've been doing all of our studying on and training on and reading about. And we believe right. it's really, really important to talk about this stuff because if we can talk about these big feelings and challenging behaviors our kids show us and on ourselves. the daily, <laughs> sure, that we're all experiencing yeah. and witnessing, uh, then we can actually um, normalize those experiences a little mm-hmm. bit. We can lean into those experiences a little bit mm-hmm. and we can uh, kind of elevate them and work on them a bit as well. Yeah, I think that's what... So much of this is just being among people who are experiencing what we're experiencing, talking about the things that have helped us, the things we've learned, the ways that we're trying to interrupt these cycles of control that are our very mainstay in a lot of institutions, um, including parenting, including that hierarchy of the family that we're trying to kind of bust and be like, oh, let's just 
Make it a little more democratic. Make it a little more respectful. Make it a little more egalitarian. We can do this. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but we can do it, right? Well, yes, and that North Star that you mentioned, Kelty, mm. is our kids' resistance. Mm -hmm. That is that beautiful sign to us. It's the roadmap. The roadmap that we're following that's right in our faces all the time. That mm -hmm. says, wow, when our kids resist us, we have an opportunity to uh, view their resistance differently and ourselves to resist these cultural forces that um that lead us to very naturally control what's control yeah. people are like i am not over controlling what do you mean i just need to be in control i'm doing a little uh, posting here <clears throat> okay um, I, I need to be yeah. in control i'm not over controlling right mm -hmm. yeah i mean we have the the little thing for control the acronym acronym thank you the little thingy uh consequences on my terms now threats rewards, overpower, and lectures. That spells control. We also add timeouts, shaming, spanking. Right, do yeah. it. And then that's what the, all the lovely things that, that we are so, so compelled to do right. on the daily. Yeah, and then we have our, the alternatives to control, uh, which is our resist approach that you can see up here. You can download it on our website. It's um, respect, empathize, sync up, innovate, summarize, and trust. That sounds like a lot of people are like, oh my God, there's all these things I have to do. It's actually not that hard. It's really just one conversation at a time with our kids in the hardest moments when we want to be like, go to your room. Or why would you say that? Or be nice to your sister. Or if you do this, I'll give you this. Or whatever the thing there is. There are ways that we can respond instead yeah. of react in challenging moments because growth uh, is uh, available to them, to us, to our relationship when we can actually lean into those moments. I feel like we've talked very meta about all of this stuff. And the purpose of this Q&A is to speak with all of you. So we hope you'll write us in a few things that are going on uh, in the realm of your relationship with your child, um, uh, questions about discipline, struggles with discipline. That's the stuff we would love to unpack um, and explore a little bit with you today. We do have some stickers that we can respond to. Mm -hmm. When the big feelings turn into physical, verbal abuse towards everyone and <clears throat> or lying. You can just put that sticker up. Oh, let me let me try to do I'm that. I'm pretty sure you can do that. I'm gonna tap it, see what happens. Cool. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stickers were from yesterday's though, so I don't know if we can access those. Okay, that's okay. We can give it a whirl. Yeah. Okay, so um, Chris Abs, you didn't mention how old your kids are. But I mean, wow, I mean, that's the, the escalation effect of a child's brain or an adult's brain going from regulated, calm, right, centered, to completely dysregulated, not calm, uncentered. It's when the focus of their brain goes from the, the prefrontal cortex that helps tell everything what to do and balance and weigh mm -hmm. and make decisions, and it goes to the back where we're in fight, flight, freeze, faint mode, right? And that's why big feelings start ramping up and ramping up, and then they end up turning to physical dysregulation too. So hitting, um, verbal abuse, as you say, all of that stuff. So I guess why I'm saying this is that it's very normal for this to happen, mm -hmm. and it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we think of our child, first their big feelings as not okay, and then we think of the physical and verbal abuse as mm -hmm. not okay too. Yeah. And when we think of things as not okay, how likely are we to approach them with curiosity, with non-judgmental support, um, lean in and help our child kind of work through them adaptively. It's really hard to do that when we think this is so wrong right now. Yeah, so much of this is about our beliefs. If we believe that everything we're seeing is wrong instead of what my child is showing me is totally developmentally normal, absolutely a stress response based on their age, based on their stress language, based on their 
the amount of sensory regulation they've gotten to today, their temperament, all of these different things. How hungry, how tired, how, um, you know, all those things. Yeah. It's, it's so tricky. We go to those places where we're like, but they need to know they can't. But they need to be nice. But they've got to do these things. They can't say that to me or their sister, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's when we're focusing on the surface of the water and those waves that are so distracting. We always talk about looking beneath the behaviors, just like beneath those waves with our goggles on and being like, what's going on? Not just necessarily like must drill, must figure it out, but I'm going to at least acknowledge that there's something that I can't see here at play. Right. Right. I love that. But what about that? You're just like, <clears throat> when this happens, it's just really hard. Yeah. I think yeah. it just, I think generally speaking, talking about it like we are right now mm -hmm. is really important. Those moments that, that our kids experience that are really difficult for us, that's the stuff we get to talk about and explore and unpack. And the more we talk about it, the more awareness we build. And mm -hmm. the more we understand, what is it at play here that's making this so difficult? Is it because um, I'm worried that I might lose my shit on them? Is it that I have these triggers and these childhood experiences I haven't really kind of looked at and so I'm responding mm -hmm. in a certain way? Is it that I have these fears about the future that they're going to turn into a bully or mm -hmm. a rude, you know, selfish person if I'm letting them act that way right now? What are yeah. these things at play? And, and awareness is the first step because if we have awareness, then we're bringing the focus to the front of our brains and we're able to calm down. And if we can calm down when our children are struggling, then we can actually move forward to help them. That is the first step. And, yeah. then, and then I would say we do that exact same thing with our kid, right? Instead of focusing on all those uh, like issues of socialization. Oh my God, are they going to be ready? How are they going to know all those things? We, we set that aside. Socialization actually isn't primary. It's our secondary goal. Yeah. Our primary goal is our kid's self-awareness and an inner attunement to their inner wisdom and authority, right? So when those big feelings turn into physical, verbal abuse towards everyone and are lying, we say, what's going on? How you doing? How was your day? Yeah. What's happening? Can, can we know, connect? I know that this doesn't happen or you don't do that or say that unless you're feeling really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. What's going on? I want to understand. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for showing me what's going on. Thanks mm -hmm. for telling me that, even though it sounded so heinous and offensive. You shared that with me. And even though it didn't come out in a way that I love right now, mm -hmm. right? I still want to honor the impulse. And our kids are showing us their impulses and their needs all the time. And we can't discount their needs just because they don't look the right way yet or right. don't feel good to us. Yeah. That was a really nice one. I feel like we're all experiencing that one. But anyway, um, oh, and I just wanted to say one last thing while you what, find the next pin. Lying. And I love talking about lying. I know but you again, do. I don't know why. Just like, like anything our kids bring to us, big feelings, abusive words, lies, they're saying, I'm struggling. And they're asking us to build a positive association around their struggle. And if we punish them for feelings, behaviors, lies, then they're going to keep a distance from us even further. We want to bring them close when they're struggling and help them feel safe about their feelings and their experiences and that they can bring those to us to hash out and explore. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's my piece. I think we can keep trying to get very specific. I think that's okay. what people want to. <laughs> My two and a half year old will yell at us when we sit where he was sitting or if we do something he doesn't like. Is he too young to tell to speak more kindly? Yes. Yeah. Um, I would just say that we never tell our children to speak more kindly. I think that two things we do is we will translate what we hear. <clears throat> so we'll say it in the words that we would like them to use eventually. And then sometimes secondarily, we will explore the impact of those words if they were super harsh like made somebody cry or something so do you want to walk it through for example yeah I mean I think that if 
if we're parsing our kids' words and saying, I want you to speak more kindly, we have to remember that our kids would speak kindly if they could. They're not necessarily just doing it because they feel like it and they want to be rude or hurt us. They're doing it because they can't control their tone. They can't control their words. Maybe they're experimenting. And again, we don't want to undermine those impulses by criticizing them and controlling them, micromanaging them. But I think we've been conditioned to think that it's our job to control those words. It's our job to say, do it more kindly, do it more gently, do it nicer, do it softer, all these ways. They need to learn those things, right? right. And I think that but the way we go about teaching that is is going to inform the way they learn, the mm-hmm. value that they learn, not just the right. skill itself, right? So what would we say? Well, and I just wanted to say with that, Kelty, that mm-hmm. we can be showing them how to speak more gently and kindly implicitly rather mm-hmm. than explicitly. We don't have to say explicitly, change your words, speak more kindly, that's rude to me. I'm not sure Try a two-year-old would understand speak more kindly. No. Yeah. I, I, all they need to know is implicitly it would sound something like this. Wow, it sounds like you really want more milk. Okay, those, that was some, those were some big feelings about the milk. I'll head over there. Wow, mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. So I'm creating an awareness for them that, wow, they have that need inside. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to understand the need and get some more awareness around it, then they can say, hey, mom, I need milk before it but you know bottles up and they go more milk right Mm -hmm. yeah but i think that always meeting our kids where they are when we can is what we need to be doing and saying if they're expressing it this way that is the way their brain and development is needing to express it Mm -hmm. and the best we can do is not to correct them but to connect with them i remember one of the first times you did this with your daughter hannah so she just turned seven my daughter's six our boys are four and this, this was the was, first time this I was, did this? I remember the first time you did this, not now, but I'm saying like, oh, she's oh, seven oh. now. <laughs> the first time you did this, she was probably around 14 months. And my daughter was like up in, up in your daughter's chair and your daughter just lost it. She was like, no, why am I no chair, no, and down, just flipped down. out, down, down, down. And I think our impulse in that moment, my impulse was to be like, she's the baby, she's on the chair, it's okay. She can be on there. Well, and as a be mom, nice. I would have said, gosh, Wilder is at our house. Don't be rude to her. Let her borrow your chair. She's younger than you mm-hmm. are, Roy. Like, I would have kind of lectured her and chided her and mm-hmm. shamed her a little bit about that. Like, and I would have I don't want her and been like, that's not a big deal. I don't want her to be ungrateful or mm-hmm. unkind or, you know. Yeah, and instead of any of those things, you said, you really don't want her to be up in the chair. And I was like, what? Like, where did that come from? Obviously, that, that was you starting off on your Janet Lansbury Rye reading. Empathy. It's called empathy. It's called acknowledging and validating. <laughs> I learned that one in grad school. Another human being's experience before you move on to the other shit, right? And she just stopped. She just was like, just nodded. Like, yeah, I don't want her to be up there. And that was it. That was the end of it. And that was the beginning of everything for us, which is to say, acknowledging that impulse, like Hannah said, in our kids. When they resist, when they say no, when they say, get out of my chair, or this spoon is too blue, saying it's too blue for you, Mm -hmm. right? We're connecting ourselves instead of to greater society and how to be better socialized and how to sound and how to conform and be obedient and look good to what were you needing? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What were you wanting? What was going on in there? So they can be adopting that same internal language. What is going on with me? Where am I at? So we're helping them create an awareness, a Mm self-awareness from babies on, right? By saying what we think they might be experiencing it. 
And then we're also validating all of that. We're showing our kids in those moments. When your kid, your two and a half year old, wants you to sit somewhere else, even if you don't want to move and it doesn't make sense for you to move, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not feeling like it, or it's a really <laughs> weird like, this chair. This is the only chair I fit in. Whatever sorry. <laughs> it is, and you're not willing to move, then all you have to do is say, wow, you really don't want, you want me to move. Okay, I see you, I hear you. Thank you for telling me that. You're helping your child be more comfortable in their uncomfortable emotions. You're not fixing them. You're not minimizing them. You're not judging them. You're not controlling them. And you're, you're not, not punishing in. them. And you're not giving in to them mm-hmm. either. You're just saying, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. Absolutely. And that's more than most of us have ever been given. That's all we really need in so many so many instances. Things don't even have to change logistically. We just have to have our feelings seen and heard and feel that sense of security with our parents. Mm-hmm. We talk about that all the time with our partners. The times when I'm like, God, I wish I had a little bit more disposable income. I just want to buy these shoes or these things. And with my husband's like, you know the situation. <laughs> We can't do that. Come on, Cal. Come on. Why are you reaching for the stars here? We already have this and this. What's no? Like all we really want them to say is, oh, I want those shoes. I want, them. I want those oh, for you. Tell me about those shoes, mm-hmm. right? And somebody actually had written in on the last round of stickers that we missed out, connecting to how do I teach my toddler three-year-old patience. And we talked right. about this last live episode as well. We just validate, we acknowledge when it's really t- tedious and tiresome to us because it's going on so long. I want dinner, I want dinner, I want dinner. Right. The dinner's not coming yet. Or I want more ice cream, I want more ice cream. There's no more ice cream, I want more. We just start nodding, right? We nod and we acknowledge yeah. and we validate all, all the things that we want now as adults, that we wanted more as kids. We're, right. we're treating our kids' needs the way we want them to ultimately treat their own needs and other people's needs, mm-hmm. with awareness, with kindness, right, with patience. With curiosity. Right, with, right, with curiosity. Yeah. Why maybe do I want that? Why do I need more? Yeah, Why do maybe. I want that instead of that? I don't know. We, we are that voice for them right. right now. And with that two-and-a-half-year-old who's kind of bossing you around a little bit, I mean, that's the empathize step in our resist approach. Mm-hmm. But you can keep going. You could say, oh, I can't. I'm going to sync up. I can't move seats because this is the one that I use for my back right now or because I need to face the living room for the baby. I know you still want me mm-hmm. to. And then you can always move to innovate. What can we do? Do you want to sit on my lap? Could I sit here? I'm going to sit here five more minutes and then you could sit here. And so we're showing our kids moving through a conversation through the resist mm-hmm. approach saying any of these uncomfortable feelings, you can move through a conversation someday with yourself or with another person to get your needs and other people's needs met. It can be done. It's so natural in these moments when our kids are resisting us or defying us or using angry words or um, big feelings. We, we feel like, I need to fix. Must fix, must stop. Or this is their problem, especially as they get older. You are old enough. You need to figure this out on your own. And I think that's that middle way is saying it can be a conversation with no pressure on anyone. Mm-hmm. To, to lift that load, that burden of having to fix or having to put that pressure on our kids and just say, let's figure this out. We need mm-hmm. ideas. What it's, do you think? What can we do? Right. It's busting that binary idea of someone wins, someone loses. Someone has power over another person. We have it over our kids or they have it over us. It's got to be one or the other. And with a two and a half year old who's getting a little bossy about who sits where at dinner, you can use a little humor. You can make it a game. You can connect with them about it. You mm-hmm. can say, at the beginning of dinners, will you tell me where to sit? Or they say, get up out of my chair. And you say, oh, not this chair. And make it kind of fun and say, I want to connect with you about this feeling you have. Let's make yeah. it safe. And it doesn't have to be in an explicit way. It can be through play, through humor, storytelling, through storytelling, yeah. all these things. But a two and a half year old wants control. 
And if you can't move your butt to another seat, give it to that two and a half year old. Think about all the things that we're controlling in a two and a half year old's mm -hmm. life. Gosh, give it, give them that seating choice. I love that. Maybe. Most people will look and be like, yeah. you're so permissive. They say get up and you just got up. Uh -huh. You're just letting them win I'm that. Like, I'm like, let yeah. the two and a half year old move my ass to across the table. I'll do that for I'll them. I'll give them that. <laughs> we control everything else in their entire world. Right. Yeah. It's all about perspective and so connection. True. Okay. Next question. My five-year-old son had been dealing with handling a poor decision, hurting brother, for example. Oops, low power mode. Oh that's gosh. bad. Um, that's bad. You low gotta power go get mode. your power. Court. He'll flip um, his list and start throwing anything. Maybe he's flip his lid and start throwing anything at sight. And me or his two-year-old brother. This can last up to an hour. Five-year-old um, handling a poor decision. He'll flip his lid. So. What mm -hmm. I hear from that is that he's handling your reaction to a poor decision, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which says to me he's got some feelings. He's working through some stuff. Maybe he made a poor, quote unquote poor decision. He hit his sibling. That means that he's struggling. He's stressed. He's got some stuff going on. He's got some needs, definitely some lagging skills. He's only five. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he's handling that poor decision, I think that he's handling, I don't know if there was potentially a, a consequence, consequence or, um, or a punishment from that. Mm -hmm. But I could see him <clears throat> then throwing anything in sight. Right. And so it can it, last up to an hour. So, so let's say he hurt his brother. Mm -hmm. Then what happened after that? Was he, so how, this could be any age. Let's talk about this What was too. the consequence of his poor decision? Yeah. Was he put in time out? Was he given a consequence? Was he punished in some way? Because oftentimes that can ramp up a child who's already dysregulated. He hit his brother because he wasn't feeling good because he needed support, right? And then we add a punishment on top, which is what traditional conventional parenting tells us to do. It's so normal and, and natural for us mm -hmm. to do that. And then the kid responds even bigger and then they melt down for an hour and we're like, oh my gosh, what monster did I just unleash by mm -hmm. setting a realistic consequence or timeout or something, right? Yeah. Dependent kids, depending on their temperament, some kids will just willingly go take a timeout and other kids will not. For example, right? he threw a large rock at his brother, so I removed his brother and asked him to not throw rocks. Okay, so okay. you just set a boundary. That's a very reasonable boundary. Limit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, but he was still having feelings. The yeah. reason he threw the rock, it didn't, the feeling and that discomfort didn't stop when you set the limit for mm -hmm. safety. He, that, he still had that feeling inside him that needed to get out, right? I think that that's a moment that we can be considering, how did we set that limit, mm -hmm. right? The way you set it was, what you set was good. That limit saying, okay, I'm going to remove the brother. I'm going to talk about no rock, right? What? Our laptop is also low battery. I might have to can go get some Can you go get batteries. some cords really quick, please, Kelsey? Um, so we can keep going Okay, there. reasonable boundaries and limits, but the way we do it when a kid is dysregulated, depending especially on their temperament, mm -hmm. is very important. If I don't set a limit or a boundary with my kids in a warm or even just neutral way, yeah. it will still escalate. Right, so how, how would we ideally set a boundary for you're throwing rocks at mm -hmm. your siblings, so okay. I'm gonna remove them. Go Go get the cords right okay. now. Okay, yeah. okay. just so back. we don't power out here. Everybody you know, clips um, here screaming outside. I mean, obviously, we can't always respond ideally in the moment. Throwing a, a large rock at a sibling is really disturbing and it's worrisome, right? So oftentimes it can trigger uh, some anger or frustration or just plain old stress in us, right? So, but I think ideally, if we're talking ideal terms, I think we would say something like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing you here with this rock, or wow, I just saw that you threw a rock. I'm gonna resist have to, approach it. And we'll run the resist approach and we'll say, 
wow, I can see that you threw a rock, you're uncomfortable, something's going on, I'm respecting you as a person, right? I'm gonna empathize, I'm gonna immediately connect, I'm gonna separate brother, little brother go inside or make sure he's safe and immediately start to have a conversation. I think oftentimes in our resist approach, we jump to summarize. Okay, I'm taking the rock away, I'm taking your little brother away, we gotta go. Right. And meanwhile, our child has not felt respected, not been empathized with, not been given information, not innovated in any way. And they have all of this uncomfortable energy in their bodies. And so that's why it can oftentimes just keep going and keep going and keep going. So oftentimes we try to get there right at the moment of the rock being thrown and we lean in with love and understanding. Wow, you threw that rock. That worried me. Okay, little brother is taken care of. What's up? How's it going? Are you feeling frustrated about something? Fill me in, right? I'm here, okay? And maybe he goes to grab another rock and that's when you can say, oh, can't let you grab that rock again. It's not safe, right? But I wanna understand you. How's it going? What's up? Maybe he's able to calm down at a certain point and you can sync up and say, oh, you feel that frustrated. Can't let you throw rocks, right? But what can we do? What can we do about the, the outdoor mud area that your little brother was in? You didn't want him to step in that and it made you really, really angry that he did. Okay, and we're able to de-escalate and to calm, right? Other times, it just doesn't work that way, right? Our kids are off the hook. They need to get the stress out of their bodies. I think oftentimes we think, must de-escalate, must calm, put a lid on that, right? But stress sits in our kids' bodies just like it's in our bodies and we get it out from working out, from um, other self-care stuff, from dancing, from laughing. <clears throat> kids also need that that way to get to get the, the stress out, right? So oftentimes it's like if, if your five-year-old has thrown a rock at his two-year-old two sibling and is still on that rampage, maybe you need to stay outside with him and let him rage and get it all out, right? But thinking of it as, as a purge, as a stress purge, can oftentimes be really helpful. Did you get a phone charger too? No, I'm just gonna turn our brightness down. Okay. Will we be so able we can, to see like, ourselves? See. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt that. Okay, I think we'll be okay. Okay, so anyway, I hope that helped a little bit, but I think that all of that is so normal. It's stress leaving the body. Mm -hmm. We have to keep remembering that if we're able to calm our child, to co-regulate, right? To be their co-regulator, to calm the nervous system, that's great. And if it's not going that way, if they still have more they need to get out, or it's a great opportunity for them to get that stress out, then let's let it happen. Mm -hmm. Let them chase us around the yard. Let them whack stuff with a big stick. Let's innovate with them in the resist approach and say, what can you hit? What can you throw? Mm -hmm. Here, I, I'm gonna create a big hole. Here's this big bucket in the yard. Let's throw some rocks into that. Mm -hmm. You know, Or maybe they're projecting a lot of the stress on us, in which case we can handle physical stuff a lot easier than a two-year-old. So we've set the two-year-old aside and then we can say, yeah. gosh, you're, you're wanting to hit still. You really wanna hit. I wish I could let you hit me, but I'm gonna stop you, right? Yeah. I, I want to help you. What does your body need right now? You've so, got stress in there. So much of being able to do this, though, Hannah. Like mm -hmm. that—that's the ideal. What right. you just said, yeah. which we struggle with on the daily. But so much of being able to even do that is our own self-regulation and and our own um, connecting to our role. What's mm -hmm. our ideal role? We do not have to be the hall monitor, the judge and jury, the referee, the police. Right. We do not need to feel the need to constantly police our kids. Even when they're dumping things out, even when they're hurting their siblings, even when they're running with sticks, even when they're climbing out of their cribs or over the fence or whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? We can choose to be and continue to practice mentally putting on 
this idea of sensitive support staff. This is not me. I don't have to teach anything. I'm just here to be like, what do you need? Okay, you. Okay, this. How's it going here? Got to stop a hand here. We are neutral city. This is the most ideal downshift to neutral stop that we can try to click into in those moments that we want to lose our shit with our kids. But that's, of course, Kelty, assuming, I love that, that that mental mantra, that role, Mm -hmm. assuming that role, but we can't assume that role to meet other people's needs, our kids' needs when they're struggling, if our needs aren't met first. And it all comes back to self-reg again. Mm -hmm. You know, what are my needs? Identifying in a situation. What are my needs? Where can they throw that? What can they do? Mm -hmm. Does this work call me to happen now? Why is this stressing me out? So I think our awareness needs to be happening first. Everything we're supporting in our kids, awareness, self-regulation, communication, conflict resolution, all of these things have to happen for us first in order for us to model it and practice it with our kids. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but we get so many opportunities to just go at it and give it a whirl, right? So many. Okay, next one. Read TV screen time. Two and a half year old loves to watch cartoons, and since three month old has arrived, we've become more lenient when there are competing demands. But when TV time is over, huge protest negotiations escalate. Mm -hmm. I love it. This is so much connected to what we were talking about earlier with the patients with a kid demanding another seat um, and stuff we've worked through a lot with our coaching clients as well who've said we agreed to this much time maybe we've gone past that time maybe we haven't and we've held to it and we've said one episode and they said okay agreed and they give like the big smile and the thumbs up like and they're like I love you mom or, or dad or whoever eyes and they're signed on and then the second the show's over and we want to hold that limit they lose it Right, and it feels like they went back it's on their such word. Such a betrayal! It feels so hard mm-hmm. when that happens. That's when we feel compelled <clears throat> to say, uh, "Okay, we're not doing this again." <laughs> okay, no more TV, maybe ever, because this sucks. Mm-hmm. You okayed it, and now you're going back on that, and I have to show you that this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we would do is click back into that neutral downshift mode we just talked about. You want to watch more? What did you want to yeah. watch? Did you like that show? Okay, tell me about it. Or just riding it out. They're throwing the pillows. They're doing the things. We're bobbling. We're nodding. Yeah. You wanted to yeah. watch more. You I'm going to be in the other room. Let me know if you need me, you if we need to step out. Right. Deep breaths and nodding if we can't say anything that's not going to come out as a scream. I mean, I think that it's in these moments that we really want to punish our children for their emotions mm-hmm. because it feels like they're going against an agreement or a limit or a boundary. Yeah. But they have every right to feel their feelings with screen time, with the last cookie, with any of these mm-hmm. things, right? And I think that a few things you mentioned, Kelsey, which we can help, you know, we always think instead of controlling the child, what can we mm-hmm. do to prepare the environment and set them up for success? And that's part of our resist approach. Um, again, but I think that setting that up uh, an expectation, creating a routine around screen time. I know that you said that you're kind of using it a little more willy-nilly, but maybe trying to, as best as you can, create some predictability around that when out. it is. And if it's not, you can say, you can still say, okay, so what's the plan? What's our agreement? It's one episode of Daniel the Tiger. Okay. And then after we make an agreement, we also talk about what we're going to do after. So What are we going to do after Daniel the Tiger? So we're bringing the thread through to Mm -hmm. a transition. What is it? That's when we go outside to, uh, you know, jump on the trampoline or or do whatever. Visit the neighbors or whatever. Or maybe before, if we have that that space and time, we say, how can we get your wiggles out before? Or how can we get this little thing cleaned up before? And use that to move into screen time 
where their bodies are really relaxed, where they're not just like pent up energy with <laughs> screen time and then they like combust after. So how can we prepare the child? And then about five minutes before the mm -hmm. episode's over, I know we don't, I mean, all the research shows we should be watching episodes of TV with our children and processing like we're reading a book. And it's like, who does that? Who has the time to do that? It's reason, divide and conquer, people. <laughs> the reason you're giving them TV is so that you can nurse a baby or get something else done. Yeah. We understand that. But if we can check in five minutes before it's over and say, hey, just wanted to check in, excuse me. So this show's so fun. It's going awesome. What was our agreement about what's next? And you can do this with a three-year-old and you hey, wait for them. can you pause it? And they just pause what's it. What's next? And they're like, and they cast their mind back. Oh yeah, trampoline. Or trampoline. oh yeah, snack. Right. And you're like, okay, see you in a few minutes. Right. And they're like, see okay. you in a few minutes. And eventually they will put the device away themselves if, if once you've kind of created this ritual a little bit uh, more. But then. And if they don't, that's okay. They have every right you, to the feeling. You come in I and feel, you say, hey. I feel that way at the end of a season of shows that I've watched. Yeah. I feel that way at the end of a day when I was like, I didn't get to do all the things I wanted and needed to do. And I want to have a tantrum about it. Yeah. So we approach and we say, oh my gosh, that was so fun here. I'm going to hold on to the iPad. And they're like, no, no, no. They want to mm -hmm. keep watching. And you just put a hand down and you say, you connect, right? You run that resist approach. Right, you respect the fact that the experience they had, that it's helping them feel a semblance of control and normalcy with a new baby, that it's fun and it's a good escape, right? That their brains are in a different beta alpha wave situation and need a little help and support getting mm -hmm. through it, right? And then you empathize, you wanna watch more. You wish it was more, mm -hmm. you love that show, yes. And you just let them have all the feelings, right? And once they're ready, to, to kind of move through the feelings a little bit, then maybe you can move to innovate. Or sync you up sync up if you have to. You can yeah. say, I know. And what I'm hearing is you want to watch more still. Totally. Yes. My concern is that if we don't start moving towards dinner, then we won't have time for books. Or my concern is we watched five shows. I said one. <laughs> and then I had to work a little bit more. Yeah. And then it was five shows. And I just want to make sure that you're having enough time for your body to move right. and be outside and do other things. Mm -hmm. so, Our bodies need So whatever. then what can we do? Innovate. What mm -hmm. can we do? We need ideas. Right. Should we turn this like, like big throwing thing that's happening right now into what our dad used to call doodle bug circus, mm -hmm. where we would just do all this wrestling right. together. And, and sometimes our kids need us to continue to be connected through this, this process of mm -hmm. a conversation. Other times kids need, mm -hmm. need us to just go out, to, out of the room and let them just wiggle it out and be like, totally, you want more TV. I'll be, I'll be back, I'll be in here, right. I love you. And not okay. in a punitive way, but in a like, I'm gonna let you blow off some steam. Some kids need a little space. Mm -hmm. Other kids need you to physically help their bodies outside and mm -hmm. then you can deal with all this stuff out there, but you're outside. Other kids need to be glommed onto you talking about the TV thing. Every child is gonna be different, so pay mm -hmm. attention to what your kid's showing you when they're really struggling with something like ending screen time. Um, but so all hard. the feelings they have about it are okay. Mm -hmm. You can keep just making those, those plans, those agreements, raising that awareness, yeah. and then just welcoming all the feelings around it. We do have yeah. an episode on the podcast, uh, Q&A, screen, screen time, mm -hmm. scream time. <laughs> so, um, so check that out. Mm -hmm. I've developed a line that's not your body mm -hmm. for a shorthand, <clears throat> but I've also explained it in detail and it's not stopping. It makes me feel angry and I feel like it needs some quote unquote discipline because it keeps happening, but I'm not sure what to do. So wait, there's more above. I actually see. didn't see anything <clears throat> above. Really? Yeah. So I was, it's, it's someone infringing on someone else's body. Mm -hmm. It looks and like a doll or something. I know, but you've said it's not your body. It's not your body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I'm not seeing the earlier part hmm. of it. I looked already. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, but you feel like you got to click into discipline mode. Um, Wait, you just, you went past it. Oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> no, it's up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not your body. It makes me feel angry and I feel mm -hmm. like it needs some disciplining because it mm -hmm. keeps happening. I'm not sure what to do. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what the problem is. But so. I would but I would generally say if if a child is touching another kid's body, like a sibling or a dog and, or baby or one of those, mm -hmm. and you say it's not your body. I think that kids need more than words. They need a loving follow through. The loving follow throughs in our summarized step. And that's when we say you're wanting to touch that or poke that or push that mm -hmm. or whatever. I'm going to help you stop doing that. I'm going to create some space here. Mm -hmm. That's when kids need us to step in and set the boundary yeah. or the limit for them. And then if it's if it's an older kid or person, instead of saying it's not your body, I would say, how do you think they feel? Did they ask you to touch mm -hmm. them? Did they um, want that? Did they say okay? It's a consent and We talk about issue. those consent things, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. New question. I've tried the nodding with my son, newly five. He will shout, why aren't you answering me? Why are you ignoring me? Oh, that's so great. I that love that he wants to talk to you too. Like I think oftentimes we do the nodding because our kids have gotten to the age now where talking and, and, and you know, labeling the feelings, explaining the things, asking questions, they don't, it ramps them up more. And so that's why we nod because it's very subtle. It's a subtle support uh, move. Uh -oh. But if your child is wanting more talking, then you can just say, okay, okay, I'm hearing you. What are you needing? I want to know more. Yeah. I would I'm just say, okay. You. Okay. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then whatever they say, you can say the same thing back, or you can translate yeah. if they're okay with you translating. If they're so, like, she's stupid, you could mm -hmm. say, you're not liking that she's doing that. Yeah. Or she did that. Right. So or if you, they say, no, she's stupid, and then you say, okay, so you're saying she's stupid. I hear that. Mm -hmm. I hear that. Everything about those angry words, those big mm -hmm. um, feelings our kids have, they, they're asking us to regulate their bodies, to, to validate not the words they're saying, but the deeper feelings they're having underneath. Yeah. My two sons were fighting, and my oldest son punched my younger son in the nose, someone says. He had just broken his nose, falling from a monkey bars. It felt like it was intentional, so I lost it. Oh, oh my gosh. Totally. That is so hard when that so happens. So sorry that happened. <sighs> yeah, I think in those moments we like we feel like we need to drill it in and be like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? I think your daughter hit uh, my son in the face. He was holding a book like this, and she just shoved it into his face and hit his nose so hard. Yeah. Um, and we're just, I wanted to be like, why? That is so why wrong. Why would you do that? You're being so mean to him. Mm -hmm. That is so unnecessary. But he didn't what? do anything. Right. And then we run the resist approach in our minds. Respect. We have to respect that she is doing the best she can in the moment based on the skills she has, has according to the needs she's yeah. experiencing and the development she has and to we, support that. And we don't know all those things. We don't. She's such a mystery. She is yeah. a mystery. <laughs> but I think also just, I mean, again, we don't want our kids to, when they struggle or when someone else struggles around them, immediately move to shame and blame. We want them to move into situations for themselves and others with non-judgmental curiosity, with wanting to understand, with wanting to make it better, with wanting to grow from challenges, right? Not just barely survive them from the shame, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the goal. But it's really, really tricky. And I think that if we lose it like that, we totally lose it because mm -hmm. it was just too much. It was so inflammatory. Then we always have the circle back in the trust uh, part of step of our, our resist approach, mm -hmm. that's when we say, okay, maybe we can't always handle things 
the way we would love to in the moment, Forever. right? Yeah, right? So we always have later to process when everybody is feeling more receptive, calmer, more connected. That's when we can take a situation that was a total shit show where nobody showed up the way that they intended, right? And we can rewrite that situation and process it, ask questions, connect about it. Whether it's us doing more of the talking in those early years to us doing more of the listening in those later years, right? Yeah, we, We're creating a positive association around conflict. We've been so conditioned to just sweep that shit under the rug. Mm -hmm. You're like, that was terrible earlier. Why would I bring it up? Is that, mm -hmm. is that validating it? Is that saying, do more of this if I bring it up? I don't want to relive it. I just want wine o'clock and kids to bed. Come on. And I think the circle back is our superpower as parents, especially in pandemic life, when we feel we can't actually help that much or solve that much other than just downshifting to neutral, riding it out. Keeping everyone safe. Keeping everyone safe. We're stopping hands. We're nodding a lot. We're taking deep breaths. We're showing everyone that it's going to be okay, even if we're freaking out inside. And then we have the circle back in those little moments that before we became parents, we thought would be all of parenting. Mm -hmm. And now we realize are just the moments between. Not to just push a kid on a swing or skip along a sidewalk or drive in a car singing the same song, but to connect about the hardest shit and the worst things that happened and say, that's okay. Those moments are valuable too. Mm -hmm. I still love you when you scream at me or when I lose it to you. That's okay. And we're going to call those things out and normalize those things so that our kids can build that inner voice to say, Okay, there's a struggle with a friend. Oh, my boyfriend said this. Oh, my teacher is asking for this. And not go to shame and blame, but to say, where'd that come from? What are they going through? Hmm, what am I needing? Is that going to work for me? Interesting. And be that neutral person to themselves right. that says, we're going to figure this out and it's going to be okay. I love that. We're separating what our kids do from who they are. Because they we're, can't. We're separating the things they say and do with whether they're worthy and lovable and valuable right? None of those things should be connected, right? Because learning just stops happening when what people do is connected to who they are and if they're lovable or not. So we always try to separate those things. We did a post on shame this week and we're going to um, expand on it a little bit and get it up in the shop too. But I think it's a really typical thing in parenting to connect. You did this, so therefore you are bad. You said this, so therefore you are mean. To use shame right. really as a tool for right. teaching, which is what we've yeah. all learned before. And we can run through all those quotes if mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to run out of examples here. We might run uh, out of batteries, though. <laughs> I have everything turned down and tuned up. Okay. <clears throat> Next one. I find when other caregivers are with my two-year-old son, they really interfere with his play. So when he gets home and can't build or do what... Um, uh, bad. So when he gets home and can't build or do what someone else did for him earlier, he gets really frustrated. He then asks us to play for him. How do I support his emotion and also foster his independent play? Oh, that is such a struggle. Please go to our um, free to play podcast episode. We talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, my first two thoughts would be to validate all his feelings. Mm -hmm. You wanted it that way. Oh, you're used to someone helping you. Mm -hmm. You need me to do it? I don't know how to do it. Totally. What can we do? And doing the minimal effort, mm -hmm. right? Minimal effort. And then... The minimum amount, because we want to encourage him to do things for himself, but he's clearly showing he needs support. Yeah. So we can give emotional support without giving, doing everything for him in the building category. Yeah. And know? then second, I would connect to the caregivers and say, 
if you could dial back the interactions. I love how much you play with it. I love your energy. I love um, your connection. You guys are so close. So sometimes when he comes home, he needs me to help him do a project. And I have struggled to do that because it's something you've been able to do, but I can't because I'm mom and I'm getting dinner on the table and doing all these other things. Would it be okay with you if you tried to kind of downshift to a little bit more observer? That's what I'm trying to do. That would be great. And we talk about that in the caregiver clashes episode right. of our but, podcast also. But I think that this could be one of those things where the caregivers he has are uh, controlling his play lovingly, right? And undermining it a little bit. So he's not mm -hmm. feeling that he's capable independently. But it could also be at the end of the day he comes home totally. and he's needing you. It could be about putting his socks on. It could be about going to the bathroom. Um, that, that kind of sense of helplessness can be learned through caregiver exposure and conditioning, but it can also just be experienced with stress. So mm -hmm. he could just be coming home and just need more a mama. So I wouldn't necessarily jump to conclusions. It's a great way, a great thing to ask and to go down that, that um, exploration of, wow, could we be supporting him differently with these caregivers? But I also just think, hold space for it. Say, oh, I totally get that. Just connect however you can. Um, without doing too much of the actual work because you don't want to be reinforcing that. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. Here's another one. How would you handle big sister calling little brothers bad boys and yelling at them? I know she's letting her stress out, but worry about the brother's <coughs> self-image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard when, when our kids are of that age when they start picking those things up other places. I'm like, I've never called my kid a bad boy. Know, why did she say that? that? Um, I try to explain to them, this person says, Later on, that big sister has lots of big emotions, and sometimes it gets taken out on them. Mm -hmm. So that's that's great. I love that you're mm -hmm. connecting to the quote-unquote victim mm -hmm. and saying, oh, she seemed to be struggling earlier. Remember when she called you bad boys? Bad boys. And I would kind of be like, oh, bad boys. She was a little uncomfortable. I wonder how she was doing. And it's it's so counterintuitive for us to identify and try to relate to the aggressor mm -hmm. in this situation. It's so backward, right? I mean, I think, yeah, I think there are things we can do in the moment and then after the moment and in the moment again, relating to her. I think everything about our power as parents is just how we show up. I think so much about your sons watching you is incredibly powerful. Your response, if you're looking stressed at what she's saying, right, then they're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's true. Mm -hmm. And if mama's there and you're saying, bad boys, Okay, okay. But not, you know, not necessarily not, dismissing or minimizing no, 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 it in front but of like, her. Okay, yeah. okay, you know. And and that you're you're responding, you know, non judgmentally, calmly. This is not ruffling you. This is not worrying you at all, right? And you're de escalating her anger and you're making sure the boys aren't taking this super seriously. And then after the fact, connecting to her and saying, What do you mean by bad boys? And you're 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 wanting to say that about them and then continuing to keep bringing it back to her needs. That's the awareness we want to I would say to not have. to the words, to the needs. To the needs. Get yeah. back to her needs. What were you needing in that moment? We're building the awareness and the vocabulary around our kids' needs so that we, they won't, in a moment of anger or frustration, mm -hmm. resort to projecting on other people. That's a really natural response that even adults do because they still haven't learned what their needs yeah. are. But I think normalizing that projection. Mm -hmm. When our kids are yelling, one of them's like totally losing it on all the others. It seems like she's a little bit overwhelmed right now she's everyone struggling she's struggling little. let's move all over here so we're right. normalizing mm -hmm. it we're keeping people safe we're saying you're okay you're gonna okay but not we're not in a dismissive way but in an embracing what is happening way mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay 
here's what's happening. We're cool. It's going to be all right. <clears throat> right. And then, like you said, talk to the boys later and say, oh, when big sister gets upset sometimes mm -hmm. at you, she says these big words like you're bad boys. And you know she doesn't mean that. You know she's just feeling frustrated. And when she's really angry, she doesn't have the words yet. Mm -hmm. She's learning the words, right? Yeah. So, if they were even upset about it. Like, right. also. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like kids use words and like as weapons in a way that just bounces off them. Mm -hmm. they're, they're like, we're the totally ones that the, create It the... like creates this <laughs> like kind of cascading like, oh, she said this. And then two seconds later, they forget and they are fine, really. Mm -hmm. And we're the more scarred people being like, how could you ever say, I'll never be your friend again? Mm -hmm. They, the one who says it doesn't believe it. And the one who hears it believes it maybe in the minute they're hurt. But I don't think they actually believe it either. And with our neutral support, they'll know that it's not true, mm -hmm. right? right? We we help write that um, that truth, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And we, yeah, we build that narrative exactly. for the kids. Yeah. Uh, another write-in, I try to catch positive interactions with my five-year-old boy and my twin, almost two-year-olds. But it seems whenever I compliment him on how kind he's being, he starts being aggressive. Mm -hmm. Ooh, mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. He's, he's feeling sensitive to... Mm -hmm. Um, labels to labels to praise yeah. to him being quote unquote good there's mm -hmm. a little bit more here I don't know if my comment went through so sorry if this duplicate my son who, yeah super mm -hmm. five um, he's five super um, sweet and super aggressive with two year old twins I praise his positivity and he gets aggressive <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah. is this rebellion because he doesn't want to be noticed because he's being nice he loves his sisters but is frustrated they don't play at his level mm -hmm. yeah I love that. I, I think I love that you're noticing this. And I think that that's a, a sign to just kind of cool off on the praise a little bit. If he's not loving it, if he's feeling maybe a little bit self-conscious that, that he is interacting with them in a way that you like. Like, I feel like that's, to me, I hear self-consciousness self mm -hmm. or sensitivity about it. Something we talk about in our sibling uh, conflict guide, which you can find in our shop, we break down these beliefs. We give 10 uh, really beautiful steps and like 45 phrases uh, to support siblings. But one of the, the things we talk about in there is, is that we have to respect our kids' sibling relationships, that it's not about us, that it's theirs to own. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes a child will hear praise or censure from us about what they're doing with their sibling or not doing with their sibling. And it can feel really uncomfortable for them because it's coming from an external source. It's not about their relationship with their sibling. It's about mm -hmm. mom's opinion of their relationship with their sibling. And I think that resistance is very healthy. And it's a sign to you that says, whoa there, back off mom. I don't need your praise or your censure about my relationship with my sisters. I'm going to do what I'm going to do when I can do it, how I want to do it, right? And I think that that's just a great reminder to you that like you're doing so, so much, you're working so hard to help foster but we don't actually have to work that hard with siblings. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is keep them safe and build awareness of one another's needs over and over and over again. Work that role of mediator over and over and over. And I think it's it's so tricky in those moments when we see something happening that we really want, like, oh my God, he's actually <laughs> being nice to her. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's actually petting the dog and not poking his eyes out. Mm -hmm. Or, oh my gosh, they can you know carry <clears throat> the dish without the thing. And we want to be like, good job. Could, oh so my gosh, nice. you're such a good big brother. All these things we've done um, a couple of videos on praise. Check right. out in our IGTV tab. But 
we don't necessarily have to praise that way because it ends up sometimes, especially with sensitive kids, putting a lot of pressure on them to continue and uphold that mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. And what we want to be doing instead is neutrally supporting whether they do it or not. Mm -hmm. And that's the world that we, even as adults, want to live in. Yeah. If I do something or not, I want my parent, my partner, you, Han, to be showing that you love me no matter what. And, and I feel like we as parents are conditioned to say no, 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 or yes, yes, yes. And it's coming back again to that middle, that sensitive support staff, mm -hmm. that playing in the gray of just right. neutralizing out and letting what is be as it is and that being enough. I that we don't that. have to label it or categorize it or clap for it mm -hmm. or censure it. Mm -hmm. We well, can just give a, a positive expression. Right. If he's interacting with the girls well, we can just show a little glow. And that's the most that we do. Mm -hmm. We're still validating his behavior in that moment. Right. And, and I think with, with younger kids too, mm -hmm. or any time in the moment or later, I think you and I talk about, instead of talking about behavior, we talk about the needs that drove the, the behavior and the impact of the behavior. Mm -hmm. So we, we focus so much on challenges with needs. What were you needing? What was she needing? Are they needing? What's going on, right? And then instead of praise, Oftentimes, we can, we can focus on the needs and saying, she was wanting that muffin and you gave it to her. And then we maybe focus, instead on the behavior, we could even just say, she looks really happy right now. Or like later, when we're cuddled with him, we could be like, wow, your sisters were super excited about whatever. And we're not focusing on him and what he did or didn't do. Mm -hmm. We're saying, wow, look at, like, that was their experience. Let's reflect on that a little bit. It was, really fun, watching, it was really fun watching the girls dancing when you put that song on right. instead of you put a song on and it was so great or you behaved you, well you know right? yeah so instead of focusing on that person we focus on the impact <clears throat> that was positive mm -hmm. and then i think sensitive. continuing beyond the praising of the good moments the good moments will carry themselves i think again it's let's focus our energy on the, the tough moments and the conflicts when you're when the sisters aren't playing well with the five-year-old and aren't wanting to do what he wants to do validating that, connecting about that, normalizing that, mm -hmm. right? Putting our energies and our support into those moments. Yeah, when he's not feeling it, it is our instinct to be like, oh my gosh, fan the flame right now, uh -huh. it's burning bright. Mm -hmm. Instead of those harder moments that we want to sweep under the rug, mm -hmm. not, you know, to be able to lean into those and be yeah. like, oh, you were struggling with them. They drive me crazy too. Or they get into all Ugh. my stuff. Ugh. We can commiserate about this a little I'm bit. On your we're team. on the same team. I'm on your side. Yeah. Little two-year-olds. Oh, Sometimes man. Sometimes they suck. They're Ugh. tricky. Tricky ladies. Okay. Next question. Is a way to help an older is sibling? Is there a way? Is there a way? Thank mm -hmm. you. This is a little bit... Relate to a younger sibling and understand that the younger doesn't have as much maternity without making the older to feel blamed or like they need to be an example. Maturity, oh. right. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> Is there a way to help an older sibling relate to a younger sibling and understand that the younger doesn't have as much mat maturity without making the older to feel blamed or like they need to be an we example? We were just rolling into that, yeah. right? From this, this last question saying, oh, wow, how can we show up side by side for our older siblings to help build awareness of the younger siblings' abilities and limitations without adding pressure to them? And I think, again, it's just awareness building. It's just connection building. It's just listening and reflecting. Oh, I know. They just keep getting into that, that Lego pile of yours. It is just so frustrating. I wish they had the skills. They don't have those skills yet. 
you know what I remember about you when you were two? Let me tell you this story. It was so interesting. I'm like, that's where they are right now. Can you believe that? Like, I'll show, let me show you a picture of you at that age. Like, you used to do that. Giving, building connection around um, what the younger siblings are experiencing, or even just saying, I don't have to build, like, have you build empathy for them. I just want you, you to develop your own insight around the feelings you have about this and normalize that. That's okay. It's all good. Love it. Yeah. But just uh, keep the conversations going with them. I was curious about how to address defiant behavior with my three and a half year old. She's in a really calm state example. She's been uh, flushing things down the toilet, but during a moment of quiet example, the other day we were reading stories, read the last one after warning, then she started playing with a tub of cream, took the lid and ran and flushed it down the toilet before I could physically stop her. I don't know what to say apart from telling her I didn't like that and explaining it could break the toilet. Mm-hmm. And perfectly, Sophie, we owe you an email um, yeah, or a DM. <laughs> um, so um, it was just kind of strange behavior happening, three-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think there isn't anything else to say. If we can't stop a child and help, help, them, uh, help them help their impulses, then all we need to do is respond as neutrally as possible in the moment because if we respond with anger or censure or any of those things, then they're so scared in the moment and, yeah. and worried about our, our attachment that they can't actually learn about what we were wanting to teach them. So we, that's why we want to stay as calm as possible. And I would just <clears throat> respond neutrally and say, oh my gosh, I'd re- reflect, observe. Uh, this is what I see. Oh my goodness. Wow. This is a big mess or this is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then I would lean into what, how come you did that? What, what happened? What was going on for you? What, what did you think? I want to understand you. Because mm-hmm. if I can understand you, maybe I can prevent this from happening next time. And if you can begin to understand you, then maybe you can communicate your needs and not just impulsively do them, right, randomly um, when I'm not looking. Um, and, and I think continuing to say, can I tell you why? And mm-hmm. oftentimes, especially with three-year-olds, we like to tell them why before the shit happens. But oftentimes, they're pretty quick. They've gotten quick. And that's why we have to say, can I tell you why after in the sync up stage? So we respect why they did it. They were meeting a need, best way they know how. We empathize. You did that. You wanted to do that. The yogurt in the toilet. Okay, tell me more. That looked fun, cool. Tell me more. Was that cool for you? Or were you needing, um, were you wanting me there? Were you feeling frustrated? What was going on, Mm -hmm. right? And then syncing up. Hmm, can I tell you why? can't put this in the toilet. I'm a little worried about the toilet because, mm-hmm. can I tell you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. And then we innovate around what next time, it, based on what we learned about the need they were trying to get met, if they want to squish something down a, a little hole where they can go instead, right? Oh, it's a good question. Okay. <laughs> Hope that helps, Sophie. <laughs> a couple. Um, is it always abandoning connection when we leave while they're trying to hit or harm us during regulation? I'm feeling desperate to create more limits to getting pummeled during tantrums. Oh, yes, we feel you. <sighs> That's really hard. Um, Hannah is really lucky in that her kids often, they're like more like Tasmanian devil, octopus. Like they just, you never know where it's coming or how it's coming and things get knocked off surfaces and things happen. And mine are like barnacle, like suicide bomber. Like we're doing this. Like, I cannot leave your sight. We're doing this together. And you can't even step out. Um, and I think that it's been a lot of work for me um, 
in making that separation and trying <clears throat> to not quote unquote abandon connection as you wrote when I make that separation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that mostly comes in the time that I do it. So I don't feel that I'm abandoning connection if I do it early enough. Mm -hmm. And if I'm able to recognize those signs and symptoms, this isn't going well, they're struggling and I am starting to struggle to support them. So that's when I try to take a preliminary mm -hmm. time out myself. I'll be right back. I'm just gonna take your hands off and I'm gonna right. take, like, get out of the door before mm -hmm. I wanna scream. Lock that door. They're, they can knock at the door, they can yell at the door, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm not saying, why are they you. doing this? But I need to take this time to be taking some deep breaths, to scroll to something that makes me really happy, to lie on the bed and stretch, to have said, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. I just need a moment. Right. I think that moment can happen anytime with our kids, yeah. but I think that it's okay to take space and we can always reconnect later. But I think that uh, we have to be uh, protecting ourselves in the moment, not by necessarily leaving, but by standing up. We, we always want to crouch down to support kids, but oftentimes that will lead us to get pummeled more. Mm -hmm. So creating those boundaries within their presence and then creating boundaries of saying, I have to help you into your room and I'm going to close the door for a moment so I can take some deep breaths. Or I'm going to move your body outside. I had to move my daughter's body outside a few days ago and that was really hard because she was destroying things and she was hurting me. And I said, I'm so sorry, I have to. And I did that like before I got too frustrated, which helped a little bit. So yeah. I wasn't doing it punitively, but that's the practice we have. And then I come out and I say, can you come back in? Can we try, can we try again, start over? What can we do? What mm -hmm. does your body need? I'm here to support you. And we just keep trying over and over and over again in that moment and then in multiple moments. Um, but it's really tricky and you should not feel shameful for taking the space you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We're wrapping up here, everybody. We've got just a minute or so. Um, we, we're sorry we couldn't get to everybody's, um, everybody's questions. This was a really fun bonanza of a live tonight. Mm -hmm. We really needed it. Yeah, we struggled. <sighs> to feel connected with everybody, to be reminded of this opportunity and responsibility that we have as parents to show up and grow up, to uh, practice powers beyond control with our kids, to parent for sanity and social change, one conversation at a time, right? Yeah. We want you to visit the shop where we have a lot of things geared up towards the holiday shopping that we're all needing right now. Our big feelings guide, our sibling conflict guide, our uh, quick visuals guide, which is all of the side-by-sides you see on Instagram that are helping us say the things that we mean that are connected to our ideals, that are connected to research, instead of connected to the very normal, natural, instinctual things um, that come out of our mouths when we're stressed and our kids are pushing our buttons. Mm -hmm. I think lastly too, we always say you're doing a good job and we're really proud of you. And you mm -hmm. should be proud of yourself for doing this work and investing in this. Mm -hmm. This parenting stuff is an investment. It's an investment for ourselves to raise our own self-awareness and skills, for our kids to build their skills, to build our relationship and to raise another generation like they can really go out there and make change. And this doesn't happen overnight. This is a, a tricky, long-winded process, um, and it can often feel really difficult and tiring. So we're here. We're here to support you. Um, yeah, you're Thank doing you an amazing job. Thank you for being job. here. Yeah. We will see you next week. See you next week. Mm -hmm.